everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing, writing life, and video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. We are upgrading this. We're so close. We're so close. So it's running late. I know. If you're a fan of the author, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The new website, the new version of the magazine will be ready soon, but it's delayed everything. We're laying it all out. I hope you like it when it's done. I like it. We just have a few more technical glitches. We don't want problems when we make the we throw the switch. So it's coming late, but it'll be great. It'll be great. We got an interview with a wonderful uh, young adult author going to be coming up and of course some great articles too so check all that out at authormagazine.org it'll be the same same url just different look uh we're also funded by the pacific northwest writers association who have been writing or supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955 long time uh you can learn about the pnwa at pnwa.org that's where you find out about us we got oh we got all kinds of good stuff Particularly the writers' con. Well, I should say yes. We have a writers' conference every year. September, September now. It used to be in July, didn't it? Yes, it did. But now it's in September, beginning of September. Uh, same same hotel where it's been the last few years down there in SeaTac area, Seattle. Uh, but I think I think there is still maybe till the till the end of this week to submit to the fabulous writing competition. I actually judge in that competition. Judge, not list GB judge, but I have to judge. And so if you want to enter that competition, you can do so at Author Magazine. Oh, no, excuse me, at pnwa.org. They've got 14 or 15 different categories uh, from poetry to memoir to romance to suspense to literary fiction. You name it. It's all in there. If you've got yourself something you think you'd like to get a little feedback on, maybe even see if you can win a competition, bring, go to pnwa.org and sign up. Not much to report on my end, not much happening at the moment, although I'm setting up another fearless writing workshop. It'll be in May. But let's get right to today's guest. Tom Miller, a debut author. A debut author. Boy, it's a big debut, too, from Simon & Schuster. Uh, Tom's an unusual guy in terms of his path. He graduated from Harvard University, good for him, and went on to earn his MFA in creative writing from the University of Notre Dame. But he wasn't done. He also got an MD from the University of Pittsburgh. What? Yes, but while writing The Philosopher's Flight, he worked as a travel guidebook writer, an EMT, and a college in English instructor. He's currently an emergency room doctor in Madison, Wisconsin, and Philosopher's Flight, it's out, and Tom is with us. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Tom, I, I want to first get to this this this, bio, this little bio of yours, your life sure. before this moment. Uh, everybody's journey is a little different. It's always interesting to me. Uh, yours is particularly unusual because you went, you took the step of getting an MFA in creative writing, which is a whole thing in and of itself. But you also yeah. decided you're going to get an MD. What is going on with that? What were you? What What came over you to go those two totally, totally different routes? I assume you didn't do them simultaneously. And somehow you went. I one did not. They the were other. separated. Uh, no, they were separated by about 10 years. Um, I've always Jesus been interested God. in both. I've been right. interested 
uh, interested in the science end of things, interested in the more English and, and writing uh, side of things as well. And that goes back probably to, to high school or grade school for me. When I was in college, I went uh, as, as a sort of lukewarm pre-med, but as you can imagine, Harvard pre-meds are, are not a group particularly known for being warm or fuzzy. I found that I was really enjoying... Uh, no, not at all. Um, I found, though, I really enjoyed the, the smaller English classes and, uh, and writing classes as well. And so I ended up studying English, though I had done many of my pre-med requirements. Decided I wanted to continue on and try to make a living writing. So I, I ended up getting an MFA at Notre Dame. I was fortunate in that they gave tuition waivers to most of their writers at that time. So I did not come out of the MFA another $70,000 in debt. Mm, nice. uh, but there's still the problem still the problem of trying to make a living writing short stories, which is more or less what, what I should not train to do. Right. Um, so I ended up, uh, I had moved to Pittsburgh, and I ended up uh, working for an EMS service. I, it was nice. I call it the best $75 I ever spent at the Community <laughs> College of Allegheny County. Got certified uh -huh. in 10 weeks as an EMT. And that was uh, that was my job. So 40 hours a week, uh, three three days a week uh, for the next uh, for the oh. next four years or so. I wrote on the side. I you know what I'm gonna pause, I'm gonna I'm gonna slow you down just a little bit because I'm now starting to sure. I don't usually like to make these connections, but I'm feeling the con con uh, connection between that and some things in the philosopher's flight. Is that possible? Between your work um, as an EMT, it was definitely definitely an inspiration. Yes. Ah, okay, good, good. I don't, you know, sometimes, you know, the whole the, how much of your life is in the book, we'll get to the book, it's kind of a, can be an annoying question, but, I, but it struck me that that might be the case, that the work in the EMT, because they're, cause your philosophers are kind of doing some of that. They are, and it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit of a complicated thing to explain, but uh, it is. Yeah, the, the, philosopher's, the, the Philosopher's Flight is, is a historical fantasy novel, and it's set in 1917 in a world where magic, though nobody calls it magic, they call it empirical right. philosophy, but magic was discovered about 100 years earlier, and the world took a, different, a little bit of a different historical direction as a result. And the protagonist is a young man who was raised by his mother and sisters. The other thing you ought to know is that women are a lot better at magic or empirical philosophy or sigilry, as it's sometimes called, than right. men are. And that's a fact that's been met with a lot of suspicion. But the protagonist, uh, Robert's mother, uh, is more or less a, a sort of a magical first responder uh, in rural Montana, as well as being a, a war veteran who worked for uh, you know, something similar to, to an ambulance service or, or aeromedical evacuation, except the, peop uh, the, the uh, uh, philosophers themselves, uh, who could, some of whom can fly, uh, more or less are, are the helicopters. So they fly in, right. pick up somebody who's wounded, strap them to their chest, and fly out. So Robert, his whole life, grew up uh, you know, sort of with a certain degree of hero worship for his, uh, for his mom and has always wanted to do that, but there's never been a man to do that sort of work before. Right. 
So certainly right. the idea the idea of EMS or, or some of the situations he's faced with both uh, both in the book and uh, a little bit in the sequel as well were inspired uh, by by some of my training or some of the things I yeah. saw or, or got to do both as an EMT and uh, and ER doctor. Now this book, uh, so I mean, eventually you 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 so you actually get your. You, you must have in Pittsburgh, I assume, while you were there doing your EMT. You must in doing that work. Mm-hmm. Did that inspire you to go get your your degree, your your MD? It did. Reconnect you to um, medicine. I was. It did, and it, I was what's what's termed an EMT basic. So you have about 200 hours of training. You can drive the uh-huh. ambulance. Uh, you can put people on oxygen. Can splint a broken bone. Take a good history and get people to the hospital in a hurry but you don't have right. some of the more advanced training that a true paramedic does. So I couldn't intubate people to put in a breathing tube or um, use a, use an external pacemaker in a sophisticated way or start an IV to give medications. But in a basic way, right. I could get people to the hospital in a hurry. Right. But you're around sick people. You're around people in, in moments of stress, in moments of need. And at some point you decide to make this thing. No, I want to really be able to take the next step in how I treat them. And was that part of what motivated you to to go get your MD? It was. I think I wanted to be – you saw a lot of situations in the first first few minutes but weren't able to provide that sort of more comprehensive or more – uh, more more comprehensive care that uh, that people yeah. get in the hospital. So I sort of wanted to yeah. be the guy calling the shots in a way, and and sure. went to medical school as a partly as a result of that. Now, but in all this time, when was uh, were you like going home at night? I guess I can't. I think that seems like such a. When I was working, I worked as a waiter, and part of the reason I did that is I thought I don't want to take this job home. I want to write, and if I do something real, something that I care about, I'll take it home with me. And so I would do these jobs that I didn't really love because I thought I couldn't do both. Were you trying to write while you were doing the EMT work? I was. I was not. I was not necessarily super productive until uh, until the more toward the end of that, and partly yeah. it was because I was trying to I was trying to write in a different in a different mode. I was certainly not writing about writing about EMS or writing about myself. It was still that right. sort of MFA, not hangover if yeah. you will, but I was self consciously trying to write in a more in a more literary way, in a high minded way. Right. The sort of difficult right. short stories with a lot of footnotes, um, sort of style. <laughs> and by 2000, and and I should add that I had been I had been kicking around this idea for a fantasy novel for a few years. By that point already, I'd written a couple short stories that were sort of set in a in a related world or a similar world, but I'd never never thought it would amount to anything. Sort of by the end of 2009 or start of 2010, I said, what I really ought to do is sit down and write a book of the sort that I, I used to enjoy reading back when I was capable mm-hmm. of reading with, with sort of an uncritical eye. So I thought of right. myself a lot at sort of the age of 17 or 18 when I could sit down and read Tom Clancy or, uh, or Robert Jordan or uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez and oh, say right. that I liked all three of those. And it was not, oh. you know, an I- I- ironic or... Uh, or uh, way that I was reading, it was uh, and not necessarily an unsophisticated way, but a, a more open way than right. maybe I was reading for part of my twenties. Yeah, 
And so you thought of, that's so important that you write the thing that you, you really look at what sort of turns you on creatively as a reader and let that, because, you know, MFAs I think can be good, but they can just, I have talked to so many writers who don't write in what is called the MFA style, you know, because it can be pretty rigid in certain ways and they have to kind of unlearn a lot of what they unlearn psychologically what they were taught, which is you've got to write these kinds of stories and just allow your imagination to roam and land where it really wants to roam. And it's such an important step, I think, for all writers, particularly if you're coming out of the MFA. And so you let yourself do that. You let yourself find something different. I was fortunate in the program that I was at. There were several writers who were working in a more experimental style um, in terms of both content and uh, an approach to two stories. So people who were writing things that were a little bit more fairy tale like, uh, people who were making a lot of a lot of formal experiments in what they were doing. So it was fun to yeah. be in that environment. It was fun to try a lot of those things and. Maybe a little bit of that I, I, I have been able to, to carry forward. So it didn't it didn't necessarily feel rigid, but definitely I think the goal of almost everybody was to was to publish short stories in in literary magazines because it right, was sort of two thousand four right. to two thousand six. There wasn't the there wasn't a big as as big an online contingent at that point. And really right. most of the stories I, I was sending out at that time were you know, were twenty pages in a manila envelope and went to the right. went to the post office to get correct postage on it. Right. Oh boy. Remember that strange time. Uh it seems like a world ago in a way. Uh well all right, so you do that and it you have did you have any success with that or was it kind of just frustration? Um, some of each, uh, a lot of, yeah. uh, a lot of stories that I had high hopes for that never, uh, never made it anywhere, but definitely uh, yeah. a few things, uh, a few things that were, were published out there. Never, never nice. enough to, I mean, the EM, EMTing paid the bills, but, uh, still, sure. uh, a handful, a handful of things that I managed to get published. Yeah. Well, normally the short stories, you know, very few people are going to make a living writing short stories, but it can add as a, begin as a serve as like a platform to publish books and to do other things. So, all right, so you're doing that, but the whole time you're thinking about the philosopher's flight. Now, uh, it's, you know, philosophers, this, these are these are not philosophers. This is not. Don't picture Aristotle and Henri Bergson. This is something else as you've described. But uh, were you the kind of person who spent a lot of time sort of daydreaming, trying to create the world because that's the rules the sort of um sort of the alternate history of it or do you just dive in and start writing i had spent a lot of time playing with the uh playing with the world beforehand so i mean that cuts both ways in that i had a list of important fictional supreme court cases and and battles in the civil war and things like uh-huh. that, and it's a question. The the desire to to want to include that or want to want to show that on the page, how hard you work to to build the world, was something I struggled with, particularly in the early drafts. How do you make it an exciting situation and uh, you know develop compelling characters and and get conflict into it early, while at the ex- at the same time explaining a hundred years worth of alternate history. And uh, I sort of adopted over time what I called just-in-time exposition, where you need to, you know, need a few pages before it becomes important. Need to need to 
get get the idea in there sometimes sometimes a few chapters before, but not over yeah. overindulging uh in in that sort of world building. Yeah, science fiction and fantasy almost I'd say more than any other genre has to deal with exposition in a way that almost nobody else does. Because you know, if I'm writing a book set in nineteen seventeen that there's not fantastical. I don't need to explain that there was a civil war. I don't need to explain that World War One's about to happen. I I can just assume, and if people don't know that, well, too bad. But I can just assume they know all these things. But uh, the science fiction and fantasy writer has has got has got to find a clever way to lay it all out. And I was as I was reading your book, I was thinking about that guy. I thought, geez, this guy's got a lot. He's got to get to us so that this makes sense. It sounds like you were able to tackle that. You felt happy with how you tackled that. And that was much more the product of revision than the product of uh, a first draft or any particular insight I had when I sat down to write it. And really, once you, once I had a draft, stepping back and saying, what's essential? What are the, what are the core stories here? In right. revising, I went back to a book um, I read a number, number of years ago which is by Michael Ondaatje of The English Patient, among others. But he became friends with a film editor by the name of Walter Murch, uh, who had actually a a lot of his insights into film editing, I thought, were applicable to to writing and and revising Uh there, too. So sort of visually um, with the spreadsheet and and sort of in other ways of looking chapter to chapter, sort of the the three main plots that I boiled my book down to are we still are you know in, in what way am i dealing with it in this chapter and in the next one have i have i left that sort of forgotten or undeveloped for 50 or 100 pages and how can i how can right. i leave it through so it's very much a product of revision and very very much the product of pairing that world belt building back to what was what was essential or exciting uh to help support the plot and characters and was this your first novel that you attempted to write? Just all short stories, and then this uh, novel, was there an experiment or two? Um, there have definitely been experiments in the past. If you truly want the first yeah. one, I tried to write a Star Wars sequel when I was in middle school. Um, that didn't oh, pan out, but good. I still have uh, a lot of the doodles. I wrote uh, uh, as an undergraduate uh, as an undergraduate thesis, um, a first novel in, in much more conventional sort of literary fiction coming of age style, and that's very happily sitting in a desk drawer uh, that I look at yeah, right. every <laughs> couple of years and feel proud about, but have not really felt inspired to to take out and work on again. Yeah. It was a learning experience yeah. rather than something that should uh, should see wider yeah. wider consumption. Yeah. Yeah, I always feel like the first novel is really like going to school a lot of times. I mean, not all. I know people publish them, but a lot of times you just got to learn how does this work. You know, there's some. How do you think in that terms in terms of such a long arc? How do you write something that you can't see the end of it really? You know, because in the short story you can kind of picture the whole thing in your head almost in a way once you figure it out. But the novel it's a, it's a different muscle, isn't it? it? Seems to me it was anyway when I was doing it. It's a different way of, of looking it. to Just be Just seeing sure. it, holding yeah. it in your mind, you know, than the short and story. For me, yeah, I, I would say for me going to a and, – and those are considerations I, I have tended to shy away from on the first draft and, and look at a lot more in, in revision. You have those sort of 
for me, it's I, I generally have plot points that I know I want to hit, but I'm not sure how to get between you know point F yeah. and point G, uh, if you right. will. But right. it's a sure. you know a, as you're as you're paddling along uh, the you know the rock or the island you can see in the distance. It's just how far you get carried by the current on the way uh, is uh, you, you don't know while you're on the way, and then backing yeah. up and, and once you once you've once you've made it to the destination. Figuring out how how you might change um, you might change the chapters on the way. Yeah, and was it and so how was it trying to a what what was the what was it like writing it was it just a pleasure or was it kind of a was it how did it go was it it's rough been, was it easier how was it's it it's been a pleasure it's yeah. <laughs> it's been a pleasure it's been a grind it's been it's yeah. been all of all of the things it can be. I was yeah. fortunate before I started med school, I got a bulk, sort of the bulk of the, the drafting of it done. And then the first two years in med school, you're sort of back in the back in the classroom listening to lectures. And if you choose to, uh, you know, read read the book rather than attending, uh, you know, the eighth hematology lecture in a row, nobody's <laughs> sitting there taking attendance. So I had right. a certain amount of flexibility. And I was a nighttime writer at that point. So I'd get oh, done with my okay. studying and at 10 or 11, sort of the last thing I would do before bed would be to, to write, you know, try to get an hour's worth of writing in. If I happened to be on a roll and, you know, would write till 2 or 3 in the morning, it was okay because I could, you know, just play hooky in the morning. Uh, oh. not, not that I tried to do that too often. I don't want my doctors that playing hooky. Open-ended... <laughs> what? I, said, no, I don't want my no. doctors playing uh, hooky. <laughs> I kid. Me I neither. Kid. <laughs> me neither. It didn't. Uh, I, I don't. I don't feel like it held me back too much. Um, Apparently not. It was. It was a sort of. <laughs> it was. It was open-ended enough to know that right. if, if I was on a roll, I could. I could keep going for a while. Right. Certainly, in in residency, as I've begun practicing, that has changed because if I need to, if my shift starts at seven in the morning and I need to be up at yeah. a quarter to six, that that has to happen. So I right. have finally, uh, over the last couple couple years, I you know I was a daily writer for a lot of years, and that was the thing I kept hearing over and over. If you want to finish something, you have to write every day. And until I started help. writing yeah. every day, I didn't really understand it. And yeah. I've had to sort of. So I was a daily writer for uh, six or seven years, and then I yeah. had to step back as I came into residency and say, you know what? There are there are days where it's okay. And to sit down and write badly for 25 minutes is not necessarily doing myself a service. So to give right. myself permission on some days not to write at this phase in my life. Uh, I, I think you can be forgiven as an EM emergency, not an EMT, but as an emergency room doctor to maybe take a day off from writing. I can totally understand that. Uh, all right, but sorry, so you slide away. Now, it's, a, it's what we call in the publishing parlance a genre bender. It's historical. It's fantastical. It's kind of it's magical, real. It's got a lot of stuff into it, uh, and so this I which and your publisher is very excited about it. Um, but uh, a lot of times the advice you'll get from pro, from professionals don't do that. Don't don't pen the genres. So how was it trying to find a publisher? Did, did you were you able to explain what it was? Did you find that to be a hurdle you had to get over first? I would say it was much more difficult for me to find an agent than a publisher. I don't know to uh -huh. what extent that's true for a lot of writers right now, but I've I've had that 
I, I've heard that story from other writers as well. So yeah. I spent about two or three years initially writing and revising and sort of uh, queried every every you know friend of a friend of an agent sort of thing, and had pretty right. well exhausted all those contacts and and was blind blind querying at the point where somebody finally wrote back and said this is this sounds really uh, really interesting can you send me the whole thing and about a week later wrote back again and said we need to we need to have a talk and that was back in uh back in 2012 so we spent about an hour or I'm sorry we spent about a year going back and forth doing revisions and then ultimately thought it was uh thought it was ready had a couple different uh publishers who were interested at that point and as you as you say, so trying to trying to trying to situate it, what what is this? Is it historical right. fiction? Is it fantasy? Is it young adult? Because the protagonist is 18 years at the beginning. I certainly didn't yeah. write it specifically with the YA audience in mind. I was writing for a more adult audience, but we were hopeful it would cross over into into all those groups. Yeah. And, and so ultimately, we found in Simon and Schuster a publisher who was hopeful as well. That's awesome. And so, well, that's nice. And so now it's out. It came out in February. You've traveled the Rust Belt. You went through the middle of the country talking to people. What was that like meeting some readers or prospective readers? Did you enjoy that? It was a lot of fun. So I did, uh, and and I was told in Iowa City that that perhaps the Heartland tour would be the way to go. So it was uh-huh. uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, Indiana, and, and and Pennsylvania where I where I was over the course of six yeah. days or so. Uh, but it was fun, and it was uh, it, it was surprising some of the people who were enjoying it, both in the extremes of age. Uh, I think I have. One of my biggest fans is is nine years old, which is certainly really? well beyond what I was uh, well beyond what I was expecting wow. as I as I wrote it, and uh, in in the other direction as well, people in their fifties or sixties who um, you know I hadn't expected to necessarily have have be my target audience uh, as well. So it's been interest interesting to meet people and. Uh, Fun as well. One of the places I I read was at was at Notre Dame. So it was sort of back, uh, oh, you back did? with the back at the old MFA stomping oh. grounds. Oh, uh, so oh, the... uh, going full circle there and getting to talk to some of the faculty who who helped to guide me. Local boy makes good. And did you go back and did they say Something we like knew that. you had it in you? I said local boy makes good. Did they say we knew you had it in you, Tom? Or did they say really you? How did what was their response? Were you they, weren't the one we expected. Was, no, it was uh, very, very <laughs> much the former. It? So it was. Oh. No, it was, oh, it was the local boy makes good sort of sort of attitude. Um, oh, I read nice. in Milwaukee as well, and that's the area where I grew up, and and saw some people I I hadn't seen since uh, since high school came out. Oh, that's nice. a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. Well, that's great. So it's a nice experience, and so it, it's I don't know the typical thing for writers uh, when they start publishing their stuff is that what the reader reads and what the writer writes. Is not always the same thing in certain ways, or what they, how they interpret it, how they experience it, can often be very different than what the writer thought they were sharing. Have you had that experience yet when talking to the people who've read it, and what they sort of focused on or liked? So, uh, um, to to a large extent, I feel like people have have gotten it. Uh, yeah. Particularly because it's it's a it's a somewhat political novel, I think, in in looking at in looking at gender roles or looking at the way that 
tradition or institutional uh, institutional discrimination comes to comes to be. Um, and I think people have uh, have appreciated or or enjoyed or or, or thought about uh, that aspect of it in a way I'm I'm glad was uh, both both sort of visible to people as they read and and not off-putting. I haven't uh, I haven't met too many people who have been had a had a reading or or, or found in it something uh you know something I really scratched my head over and so it's been, it's oh, been yeah? overall All I right. think uh, positive in that way. Excellent. All right. Well, you know, all different kinds of responses. Well, Tom, uh, it's been lovely chatting with you, but I'm not quite done. I'm not quite done with you. I've got one more question. I'd like you to do is I'd like you to finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? What has it taught you? Um, You should write as well as you can and as badly as you need to. Ah, I love it. Don't be afraid. Just put it down, right? Just get it down and don't worry too much. That's awesome. That's awesome. Tom, congratulations on the book. Well earned, I, and I hope there's another one coming too. I hope you find the time in your busy life to write another one. There is. We're planning a sequel out hopefully uh, mid-year in 2019. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Best of luck with this book and the next one. Thank you. All right. Take it easy. Yes, write, write as badly as you have to. It's okay. You won't get hurt. No one will hunt you down and put you in writer's prison. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. I will be talking next week to the one and only Robert Craig, great suspense writer, wonderful guy, charming guy. Can't wait to talk to him. Uh, Until then, go out and find something you love and do something you love with them. Uh, That's what I would do. 